It's a good show. Hey guys. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello. I'm Lucas Neff. I'm Barry Rothbart. Um, happy uh, July 5th. Hey, it's not anymore. Um, oh, yeah, it's not. You're not listening <laughs> to this on July 5th. You're listening to this on uh, on. See, you give me so much. Give to. me so much for this on my on this day, but it's it's important. It is important to know. It's that important to this know what alive. day it is. Um, so we have. I know I say this all the time, but this one is gonna top all of the other. And by ones. this one, you mean this episode? This episode, uh, not this phone that I'm holding. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure for our audience. This, I agree. By yes. the way, this episode is really gonna blow your mind. Um, we we sp- we speak to Eli- Elad uh, Neharai. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, uh, I actually found him on Twitter. He's, he's pretty, uh, he's pretty influential in the tweeter world. Um, he's a, he's an Orthodox Jew. He wasn't always an Orthodox Jew, uh, or, a, or a Hasid, a Hasidim. Or on Twitter. Or Hasidic. He was he uh, secular. <laughs> he was secular for most of his life. And then he, he entered that community. Um, and he's one of the few progressive liberals, and he has an organization that he's very active in called Torah Trump's Hate, um, which is uh, anti-Trump, pro-progressive movements, um, and it's it's a it's a pretty vocal minority in the Orthodox Jewish community. And uh, he talks about that. He talks about um, what it's like to be a Jew in America now. Yeah, he talks about uh, the relationship Orthodox Jews have to trauma and why trauma might be a motivating factor in a lot of their sort of policymaking as a whole. And uh, the the role of progressive Orthodox Jews within the Orthodox Jew community, what their obligation is to speak out and what they're hoping to achieve and how they're hoping to achieve it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He also talks about why he loves gefilte fish. Loves it. Um, that guy loves a gefilte fish. And in addition to being on our podcast, he's a writer. He's a community builder, an activist. He writes for um, Forward, which is a uh, wildly successful um, Orthodox Jewish publication. He writes a column called Pop Hasid, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is named after his blog, also called by the same name. Um, he's, uh, he writes for Huffington Post. He's, he's been seen on uh, Headline News. Yeah, he's been, he's been all over the place. Um, and, uh, we also have a very special segment at the end of this episode. Oh man, is it special. First ever time, my wife, wife. my wife. Grace. Grace, who you might have name. just heard yes. giggling. Uh-huh. Um, at the very end, we'll do our Eat Some Food with a new t- newly titled segment, which we're not going to say yet. Uh-huh. But there's a new segment and she is a chef. She's... Incredibly intelligent, and she's my wife, so she she had an in here. Let's uh, just yeah. say it wasn't. Yeah, that, it was her qualifications that got her through the door. <laughs> at the end of the day, though, she's so a, yeah, she's a, she's great. So you got that to look forward to at the end yeah, of this. Yeah, we talk about so much stuff, so much stuff about religion. It's gonna be incredible. Yeah, about spirituality, about secularism, about New York, New York, New York. Get baby. some kasha varnish. Get some kasha. Let's get some kasha weed and and smoke some, smoke weed. some weed. All right, and we're getting out of here and save the world, of course, obviously. Saving the world with Barry Rothbart and Lucas Neff. Nothing from nothing, leave nothing. You gotta have something if you wanna be with me. Nothing from nothing. Are we on now? Are we doing it? Yeah, we're doing it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, we're doing it right now. 
Here we oh, are. We're recording now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you in an apartment? I always, if someone's in New York, I imagine they're in an apartment. We're I'm coming with the hard questions now. <laughs> <laughs> I am in an apartment, and uh, it's uh, super tiny. And uh, this is my life. Okay. So, uh, speaking Walk of your life, your... <laughs> uh, I've I've been reading about you. I've been reading some of your blog posts and things like that. And you're you you you're part of a group that has a very catchy title, uh, the Torah Trumps Hate. Or so, yes. Uh, can you can you explain to us uh, what that is? And sure. Yeah. So Torah Trumps Hate uh, was an interesting. It was actually really interesting how we started because. Um, what happened was there were a lot of Orthodox Jews who felt very lonely because we were kind of feeling like lone wolves screaming about how we were anti-Trump and it felt like the whole Orthodox world was pro-Trump. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know I felt like this quite a bit myself because I live in Hasidic Crown Heights, Brooklyn, which is uh, like overwhelmingly Hasidic. And- I used to live in Crown Heights. <laughs> Shout out. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Crown Heights. <laughs> nice. I did, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah so, Atlantic um, and, and Pacific, almost around it. there. So yeah. if you, right. So if yeah. you go south, you know, when you hit Eastern Parkway, then you're going to start seeing a lot of black hats and black jackets, that sort of thing. Of course, yeah. So, yeah. That's how the so, saying goes. Right? Yeah. As you exactly. get east of Parkland, you see the black hats and yeah. the black jackets. <laughs> oh, man. You know us. You know us well. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. So, I, uh, so we were feeling alone. And then someone started this group, Victoria Cook, um, who's a very uh, gregarious and outgoing person, very good at kind of connecting people. And so she knew of me because I'm a writer. Uh, and I've been, uh, I was very much feeling like the only Orthodox person writing against Trump. So she added me to this group. And so really what it started off as, which I think might, I'm not sure if this is typical for an activist group, but it started off as a support group, really. Mm-hmm. We were just kind of uh-huh. looking to talk to other Orthodox Jews who felt alone and were like, what the hell is going on uh, in our community, in the world, etc. And then all of a sudden we hit like 2,000 members. And for, you know, if we're talking about Jewish people and Orthodox Jews who are 10% of the of the Jewish people in America who are 2% of the, or I think 4% of America, we're talking about a very small group. So 2,000 people is sizable and a big deal. So Orthodox so, is 2%. No, so Jews in America, I believe, make up 4% of America. So you'd be... And, yeah, and then so you're 10% of Jews, though, are Orthodox. Exactly. Exactly. So 10% of 4% would be is the what? amount of Orthodox Jews in Lucas the population is great at of America. What is 10% of 4%? Well, 10% of 4% would be, I think it'd be like 0. 0.4%. 0.04%, yeah. 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 0.04%. Yeah. So, yeah? So... So we're tiny, but vocal and obviously out there in the world. So it's, uh, so yeah, so having 2,000 people to us was like a, a revelation, you know, that yeah. we're bigger than we thought. We are more vocal than we thought. And, and we started to feel strength as opposed to weakness. And so we decided, you know what, we need to stop just moping and feeling bad about, about this situation and, and do something about it. So we turned into an activist group as well. And uh, that's where we are right now. We're just, we're mainly Orthodox. We have a lot of other people as well, but mm-hmm. we've uh, become a very vocal activist group. That's, in um, that's 
me you know i grew up i grew up in new york as well and i come from a jewish family and uh mm. I have noticed that for some reason, I, maybe you could explain first of all, like why why do you think that um, being on the right seems seems to be like the the preference for most Jews? I, I guess in New York, I can't speak for Jews anywhere else, but I know my family was more conservative, and a lot of them mm. do support Trump. And you know, what what do you why do you think that is? Like what? And then maybe can you also slightly explain what the difference is between Orthodox and Hasidic? Because oh, I, I don't sure. know if our listeners all know that. I'm sure they oh, do, but just yeah. for just for just for fun. Yeah. Well, you know the saying, the black hats and the. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So okay. So just to address that very quickly, the Hasidic movement. You know, now we're talking about even smaller group of the ten percent is uh, basically like within Orthodoxy, just like in any religion, there are um, gradations of belief, and and the Hasidic movement started off as as a, uh, a movement founded on kind of like the common man and mysticism in the Jewish world and that sort of thing. It was, it was a huge movement for the Orthodox uh, world. And, um, so, but most people today kind of associate Hasidic Jews with being, uh, you know, they call them ultra-Orthodox. So they're kind of more, we can consider them more Orthodox. More Orthodox. People think of that. <laughs> more Orthodox, exactly. Yes. So, so, yeah, so I mean, and what's interesting is that there's very much an alignment between like the more the more orthodox you are, the more <laughs> Trumpy you are, and the more right wing you are, right? And it's yeah. it's actually it's totally in line with you know evangelicals. It's similar. Like the more hardcore religious you are, it seems it's not always the case, but it seems that the more you are likely to be a conservative right wing person. And I think in the past we used to think that meant that it's because of certain religious values, but now it seems confusing because. It's, uh, there's a lot of, you know, Trump does not exactly represent religious values. values. Yeah, of right. any kind oh, yeah. or sort. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, so why, so why do you think that the Jewish yeah. community is more on the right? Yeah. At least, so at least we know you know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I have obsessed over this question. So, uh, luckily, I, I don't know if I have the answer, but I have uh, some answers that I think are accurate. I, um, I'll take either, I basically. Actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... Um, the, the interesting thing is that, uh, I think that people don't appreciate how much Jews have been through. Sometimes we tend to think, you know, that we're just this assimilated group of people, even the Orthodox, like that we're comfortable in America, we feel safe. And I actually think that people don't understand that, especially for the Orthodox world, um, the, the priority isn't necessarily the values that we discussed. The priorities... Sorry, is uh, is that a cat? That, 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 was that a cat my, or a kid? That's my daughter. This is the. Uh, oh, I knew it was a human. I, okay, I, I just want you to know a lot that I could tell that that was a human. <laughs> I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was like the CNN moment where the kid comes in, except for, <laughs> on the podcast. Way less, uh, <laughs> way less viewership, uh, listenership. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, so it was basically like the idea is that. You know, we tend to think, okay, so we're just going to align it with our values. But the truth is that in many ways, these groups are are working off of trauma. And the Orthodox world's approach to a dangerous world for a long time has been to look inwards and to gain as much power as it can relative to a world that was always trying to take away its power. 
Um, And that's true. I think they think that's true both in the authoritarian regimes they were part of and in America where assimilation became, uh, in their minds, a big danger. So it was more about becoming the going individual than than reaching out to others. Is that what you're saying? Going inward. Going inward, right? I think that's like a better, yeah. Going inward Protectionism. Protectionism and isolation. uh, Just sort of like keeping themselves safe in a way and secure. Right, right? It's all about security. Yeah, exactly. And I think what's interesting is you see a complete diametric opposition in that sense with the liberal Jewish world, which is much bigger. Um, but they're in a, in, a, in a similar sense, they're both dealing with the same trauma. With for for liberal Jews, a lot of it is uh, a lot of their approach is the more that America becomes liberal and open to assimilation, like the more sa- the safer we are. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's the kind of the logic that's been passed down. I don't know if everyone thinks that way in those terms, but I think that's kind of the framework in which people are thinking. And so, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just going to say because it is it it is always interesting uh, from an outside perspective, especially in the orthodoxies of a of a religion. And, mm-hmm. and I say this because you know nowadays it, religion, morality, and and politicism they're, they're so they seem inextricably linked to each other. Like it's hard to you, it feels like you can't be religious and not also political to some extent mm. like the religious uh doctrine seems to like be like you ha- these are political ideas as well um but it, it's interesting to me that from the outside to look at like a, an orthodox uh, sect of a religion and be like it's not monolithic there's actually people who can believe these same have the same gradation of belief and share this very specific text um voluminous though it may be but still come to different words to different stances thank you barry different stances politically i think that's mm-hmm. like it's it seems like how do you reconcile such a strong shared belief and then walk away with such uh divergent ideologies so you're talking about kind of jews as a whole as opposed to orthodox jews or do you mean like within uh, I, the think, orthodox? I think within the orthodox it makes more sense because uh you know the, right. the firmer your grasp is on these shared beliefs the harder it is to sometimes to expect that you'll share different opinions when it comes to other things. Right, right. So, you know, one thing to keep in mind, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but I think it's extremely relevant, is that I grew up uh, secular. I didn't grow up religious. And so I became Orthodox around the time I was 23 or so. Um, And so, like, for most of my life, I was secular and liberal. And and there was a period where I became quite conservative and and all these things as I was kind of, it's kind of almost like a package, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. whether you want to or not, you kind of feel yourself get sucked into that way of thinking. And so I still consider myself very much orthodox, but um, I think that, what, what, that whatever was ingrained in me as a child in terms of the fear of authoritarianism and the, the dangers of it, and obviously also uh, the liberal Jewish world is much more uh, educated about things like racism and uh, bigotry um, and how that kind of applies to everyone when you're when you're bigoted towards one group of people, that automatically puts you as a minority also in danger. Um, I don't think that Orthodox Jews are taught that, actually. And I think that my education, my experience has shift, has affected my point of view. And what's interesting is there's a whole movement of Jews who have gone through this shift of becoming Orthodox later in life, and they're called Balei uh, Tshuva, which means like Master of Return. And what's interesting is that I, among my friends, among the people that I know in, the, in Crown Heights and beyond, and especially since I've done this work, I've noticed that a big group of those people um, are just as shocked as I am by the Orthodox world's 
kind of shift towards Trump. Um, and I think that's something to keep in mind. But I also think that um, what's happening is is simply that Trump Trump is is so there's there's that element is my point that there's there's a, a movement in terms of people who grew up different than mm-hmm. Orthodox Jews, but I think there's also other elements which is. Um, so much of this, we, we tend to think so much in terms of ideology. We have to remember how much of this, and I think it's connected to my point, is, is about socialization. The more Orthodox, the more the people in the Orthodox world, the more that they've been exposed to the outside world and to, to other peoples and especially to other minorities, uh, the more that they've been, I think, shocked by Trump, more willing to mm-hmm. fight against Trump, yeah. more willing to be vocal about it. Like, and I think so much of that has to do with just not not has nothing to do with ideology except for the fact that maybe it it allows them to think about uh, their beliefs in a way that they're not used that other people are not used to thinking about them. And, um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Uh, no, I mean, uh, I was just curious then if you'd encountered people who'd grown up in the Orthodox as Orthodox and still, you know, joined Torah Trump's hate or found themselves, or is it only people? who were secularized first and then became orthodox later. Yeah, so it's definitely not only at all. I didn't mm-hmm. I mean I don't mean to give an impression, I just want to make it clear, you know, that for me that's part of the mm-hmm. thinking, but I think yeah, so like I, I said I think that um there is a, there is a group of that of them but and and it is growing, but I think there are two things that are going on with that group. One is that they're more likely to be afraid of speaking out against their community for a million different reasons. Um, so even if they are sympathetic uh, to the cause, they're less willing to be vocal about it and less willing to fight against uh, their own about it. And I think this connects again to this issue of tribalism and, and looking inward, you know, so even people that are sympathetic are afraid, you know, and, and yeah. sorry, go ahead. no, 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 continue. So yeah, so I think that's. So I just I, think that's I really bre- I breathed in a really weird way, and it sounded like <laughs> it I was, was super intentional. Yeah, it was like I'm about to do something. It was bad. indigestion. Sorry. Uh-huh. Wow, no, no worries. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was sensitive to your to your breathing. Thank um, you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I think you know part of the point actually of Torchum's hate is to give those people uh, what we in the Orthodox world call chizuk, like give them strength. You know, we're trying to say it's okay to be vocal about this. It's okay to be strongly against it. And I think that's kind of part of a a larger movement that's happening in the Orthodox world, which is really how much are we going to speak up against the prevailing wisdom of our communities, you know, because Mm -hmm. if you, if you look at the numbers, first of all, 54% of Orthodox Jews voted for Trump. That means that a large amount didn't, but the number has increased to the support of Trump now is at 71% for Orthodox Jews. Um, Also it's gone up. It's gone up, which Whoa. is shocking. But I mean, it actually makes sense if you look at the issues that they care about. For example, like the embassy, the, right? The embassy, and also, and this is very relevant to my community specifically, but it affected the larger Orthodox world. Is the uh, what's the, the uh, pardoning of or the commuting of the sentence of uh, Rab- of Shalom Rabashkin, um, who was a Hasidic uh, a person who ran a uh, a kosher butcher uh factory and was he was it was basically like a big a big uh it was a huge uh issue in the orthodox world and was very much kind of shared among all orthodox jews as a big problem they felt it had to do with anti-semitism uh that he was arrested it's a whole story but the point was that, Wait, that yeah, maybe actually... explain a little what happened to him so he 
he was it's a, it's 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 hard because it's like a, a whole discussion of itself sure but essentially what happened was that he was running this this factory and he was arrested and the, the factory was shut down because um number one he had illegal immigrants working there number two um the the DA and, and others said that he was uh, mistreating them, um, and a lot of other like issues with finance were were brought up as well. Mm-hmm. And so, the, I think most people didn't argue that they felt like it was wrong for him to be sentenced, but they felt like the the, sen- the sentence was essentially a life sentence for a white collar crime. Um, and and so and a lot of people you know felt like some of the things he was charged with were exacerbated and it was brought on by anti-Semitism and so the question is whether that's true or not but the but the the main issue is that the Orthodox world saw it as an anti-Semitic mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, case and for the Orthodox world it's actually especially for the Hasidic world this is actually very close to home for them because in other countries, you know, there were a lot of times these exact situations would happen where an Orthodox Jew, uh, Jew would be arrested and charged much more heinously than anyone else. And so to them, it was kind of almost like a visceral response, like, oh, my gosh, this is happening to us in America. And so when Trump commuted the sentence, what that meant was like, wow, we live in a, in a place where we're being protected by the government as opposed to, um, you know, kind of being denounced by them and and being targeted by them. So ironically, as much as as liberal Jews are thinking, oh, my gosh, anti-Semitism is increasing, Orthodox Jews are looking at, at these two things and huh. saying, my gosh, we're being protected. <laughs> you know, we're being yeah. helped. Um, I mean, and there's why, truth to that. Why do you think uh, Trump did something like that? I mean, it's such a small voting base. Do you think he genuinely cares about the Orthodox community? Or what's the prevailing reason that people think he did that? Well, I mean, in my opinion, I think Trump doesn't care about anything but himself. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think at least people here can agree on that. But I think um, to Orthodox Jews, I, I would actually argue they don't care why he did it. They care that he did it, you know. Um, and I think that in terms of why he might be doing it strategically, I think that the Orthodox community has become a proxy by- by which the right wing thinks of its relationship with Jews. So Mm -hmm. that's why Israel, for example, is is, uh, the most obvious example, that if if you're pro-Israel, it's become a language now on the right, that if you're pro-Israel, you're pro-Jew, and you're not not an anti-Semite. If you're anti-Israel, or at least you're critical of Israel even, then you are an anti-Semite, even if you're Jewish. Uh, that's become that's that was the talking point of the orthodox of the orthodox Jewish world, and then because that world was so connected to the evangelical world, um, that kind that connection was very important. So in a way, it could be it could be argued that the orthodox Jewish world has become the way the right looks at Jews, like the Jews that matter to them, right? So like similar to not, looking at evangelicals in in a way that that's like we are Christian, so we we support some of the most. Um, <laughs> fanatical, far, far right Christians. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, oh, so that's a pro-Christian position because yeah. I'm supporting the most pro, the most Christian. You know, however people, and I think that's why, for example, I was 
kind of joking about it before, it is actually an issue that we consider someone to be more religious just because they're more stringent about the way they follow their religion. Yeah. Um, um, I think you, you, bring up, you bring up a good point, too, and something I deal with, you know, having grown up, my, my mom's whole side is from Israel. They are born in Tel Aviv. My mom was born in Tel Aviv. Um, I, I don't personally have a very strong connection to Israel. I've actually never been there, which is embarrassing. I was going to do birthright, but I, I didn't want to lay out the $500 deposit for some, I was pretty broke and it was, and then I got too old and I've just been, it's, it's embarrassing. I probably should go back should to, go Israel. to Israel. Man. I know if, I can't if believe my mom I've, doesn't listen to this I've podcast, but if she did, been. she'd be really disappointed. I just think me. it's so funny when you can't afford to go on a free trip to Israel. I can't, that's, that's, that's what you know. You're, you're I was like, broke, I can't yeah. afford a free trip to Israel. <laughs> And then very, I was like, I was like, all the walking. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of. Like, I hear there's a lot of walking. It's the most stereotypically Jewish way of making no, this decision possible. No, it's possible. not. No. Oh, the That's free terrible. trip is too expensive. No. But all the walking. All the walking. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Feet. I heard. You know, what oh, do I? What walking, do I even pack? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but terrible. you know, growing up in an Israeli household, um, you, you know, you start to as you grow up and you start to learn more about the world, it sometimes becomes hard to manage, especially with the way people talk about Israel and, you know, the, the conflict in Israel between Palestine and Israel. How do you, how do you manage being critical of the way Israel handles its politics and people viewing that as anti-Semitism if you're not a hundred percent pro what Israel does, which, you know, there are times where I'm very critical of, of Israel and the way they handle this conflict. And how do, you know, do you find that that's a difficult thing for people to manage? Uh, you know, this was interesting because I'm actually in, in the big scheme of things, I think some people might see me as like more pro quote unquote pro Israel or hawkish about Israel. And but essentially, uh, so when people say pro Israel, what they're saying right. is pro that their side of this conflict. Exactly. No, one hundred percent true. Right. I agree with you. Yeah, and I and I think that's um, what's 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 been fascinating for me in this experience has been seeing how there's this brings out so many issues because, for example, the Jews that are are quote unquote pro Israel are. Uh, and our anti-Trump are suddenly caught in this very weird place where also on the left they feel very demonized. And so that's like a whole other issue. Um, but in terms of, you know, my experience watching people who are critical of Israel, who are my friends, and now I'm, you know, becoming more and more allies with, um, I, re I do think that managing that has become almost untenable. And especially since Trump has been elected, it's become uh, kind of, a breaking point for a lot of people where before they felt demonized just for being, you know, critical of Israel. Now they feel demonized for both being critical of Israel and very anti-Trump. And so yeah. this has created, there's a fissure that has always been growing in the Jewish world and which Israel is very much the center of. Um, and it's, it's, I don't, I wouldn't say anyone has resolved it. I think that we're just going through it and everyone's trying to figure out what their place in it is. But in, the, in, in, in very much the same way that America is like, you know, fracturing and everyone saying, oh, you know, we need to be a United Nation. We understand that in theory, but no one actually knows what to do because no one wants to violate their own principles. It feels like both sides um, are un-American, like to, you know, to, to each to side. To the other side. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so that's, that's the same thing that's happening with Israel is that, you know, one side, you know, and I, and I, I don't in any way want to equate both sides. I think that's a problem with the Trump discussion. Um, but I think also with Israel, it's, it's problematic in the sense that we've reached an inflection point where people are really defining their form of, of connection to, to not just to Israel, but to Judaism 
based yeah. on this discussion. I, I, and I, I've sensed that too. It just feels like, you know, I, I don't think it's healthy personally um, for, uh, L, uh, you know, questions of ideology to become citizenship tests. Uh, for any, right. you know, for any, especially for for any larger group groupings within society or society as a whole, like we have to be able to envelop and contain, uh, you know, paradoxical ideologies and paradoxical, uh, you know, just ideas in general and attitudes to be able to function as a as a as a true, uh, well, as any society this large has to function. Right, yeah, yeah, like it, it, it feels really scary when it's like, oh, I can't be a Jew if I have this opinion, and or you know, I can't be an American if I have this opinion, and that you know, that's it seems like that that's not a rule that exists. Like we should all be able to contain many different opinions. What if you're just really scared that they are ruining your country? The Jews? No. What if you're if, if there's one side of the people that you're like, oh no, they're ruining this country. I think. Well, I, I think that we all should be able to have a you know better it conversation. Feels like, you're saying. Yeah, we need to be able to Calm talk down. talk about these Smoke ideas with weed. each other, and not make it a, a contest for who's more uh, a okay? citizen than the other person. Yeah, you're right. A lot. A lot. Um. Yeah. Hello. Okay. I'm uh, I heard a crash. I didn't. You know. Sorry, but anyway, my, uh -huh. the reason I interjected was this is a perfect segue. We have we have a, our first segment. We're gonna do. Is that okay, a lot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna do our sure. first segment. Uh, this is a this is a Which pretty. One? This is a, a. You can get half a point. I think we've decided. Um, There's a point system here. This is on this, this day. day. All right. Okay. And it's where you learn something positive in history or a few things positive in history that happened on this day in history. The first thing I need to ask you a lot is, uh, do you know what today is? Uh, I believe it is the day after the 4th of July. That's yes. The day yes. after the 4th of July. That, I'll take that. That's the, uh, the longest way of saying the 5th of July 5th that of July. You, can, you can choose. But yes, it is oh, the 5th of July. So congratulations. born on the 5th of July. Dun, dun. Yeah. Uh, so you get half a point for knowing what day it is. Congratulations a lot. You're doing very well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, wow. This is great. This so is on July 5th in history, like some interesting stuff happened. Uh, just so you, you listeners know... You're listening on a different day than July. You listeners, so you several, <laughs> you several listeners, you idiot listeners should know that today is no longer July 5th. Okay, unless it's a year from uh, now, the now that is July 5th. And a lot, you are involved in this segment, though it may seem like you're not at first. Yeah, it may this seem is, you're, like you're heavily we're just involved. lecturing you about a segment that seems mundane at best. This is good. This is good things that have happened throughout history and on July 5th. On July 5th, which is this day. Yes. I feel part of it for only now. very stupid, you know, like in terms of my, my catching up on everything. But I'm, I'm with you. Okay. No, this isn't for you. We know you know the rules of this. Yeah. But this, this is, is for our listeners, our stupid listeners that don't know what... Hordes of, of they're not moronic stupid. They're listeners. Really smart. Yeah, they're super well, smart well. listeners. Um, and we Unless love you're all. not listening. Unless and you're then, not listening. You know, then then it, who, it's you up for debate. You could be stupid. I don't know. Yeah. Um, something very exciting went on sale in 1946, July 5th, after debuting during an outdoor fashion show at the Molitor Pool in Paris, France. Something very exciting went on sale in uh -huh. 1946. Uh -huh. Outdoor fashion show. Ooh. It's July. Remember, it's July at an outdoor fashion show. Oh, bikini. Boom! 
Boom! Ah, he said it first. Did you Elad say bikini? Did Alad say bikini? I did. I totally said it. Why is this good news? Uh, because bikinis are great. Who doesn't love <laughs> oh, bikinis? Jeez, man, come so, on. Uh, would you want to tell you want to tell people that it's the summer in oh, July and they don't they can't wear their bikinis? <laughs> Well, they'll they'll go crazy. So the bikini went on sale after debuting. It's great that you had an Orthodox Jew for this. I know. I actually purpose. thought about I that. This. I thought about that. And I was it's like, perfect. no, no, no. It's all right. We can move forward. It's turning into a Spike TV podcast. Now, listen, everybody, there's so many. I mean, obviously, there are communities that don't love the bikini, okay. but there are many others that do. Uh, in 1975, oh. Arthur mm-hmm. Ashe became the first... What? <laughs> to win the Wimbledon singles title. <laughs> this is bad. This is a bad one. The first what? Tennis Arthur player. Uh, no, he was not the is. first tennis player to yeah. win Wimbledon. Yeah, I just want to hear you say it. But he's the first black man to uh, win a Wimbledon title. Okay. Wimbledon singles title in 1975. All right. Arthur Ashe. That's so great. breaking another color barrier. That's, That's great really for the good. world. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and now the final one, guys. And this is There's just three. Sort of, Hmm. Yeah, it's the final one. There's three today. Okay. Uh, in 1996, on this day, July 5th, <laughs> something became the first sheep to be cloned from an adult oh, sow. Oh, this isn't good news. What was the name? Her... I can't remember the name. Yeah, of Dolly? course, you can. No, Dad! Dolly! No, Dolly! Is it? Wow. Is it really? Yeah, Dolly. Oh Dolly God. was the first sheep. That's not sheep. good news. I don't think that's... The, I'm the sheep vetoing the that. first mammal. You're vetoing it. Why? That's it's an exciting news. breakthrough in science. That's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Cloning? Are you, would yeah. you want to be cloned? Look, um, you know, now we could have woolly mammoths again. That's terrible. Yeah. That sounds you like a terrible idea. You don't like idea. woolly mammoths? Have you seen Jurassic you can... Park? Yeah, but they never made a mammoth park. You can't bring things back. The mammoths are slower. We could stop them. And they can't, they can't swim as well. I don't, this is what I don't, I don't understand, like is they built an island for dinosaurs and then made ones spoiler, that could swim spoiler. and fly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who mm-hmm. didn't see that coming? Yeah, they escaped, yeah. you know? It's terrible. Yeah. But anyway, this was on that this was on day. This day. So how many points does uh, Elon get for that? Uh, you know, like, you obviously you got, got ha- half a point. You got two out of three yeah. answers. Uh, does this function like the lightning round? I don't know. No, it doesn't. I've decided. So you're going to get another half point. Two, you, so it's full point. You would get a full point if you'd answered all three. But since you didn't mm. answer all three, you get a half a point. So you get one full point for on this day, though, as a total. Hey! Which is pretty great. That's great. Pretty great. Wow. Yeah, wow. well Congratulations. done. Congratulations. Yeah. This is, wow. So this is I'm going to jump back in if I may. Uh, you may. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, you you run you you are uh, an active member of Torah Trump's hate, correct? Um, <laughs> We're talking about that still. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, 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 oh, right. Are you kidding? Yeah. So that was love it, love it. Okay. Um, let's do it. Hey, we'll decide what we're talking about. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. That's good. Backtrack. Backtrack um, now. You you said that it started as a support group and then moved into activism. What, explain what the activism part of that is. What what do you guys do? Um, so actually, it's it's interesting. We kind of have a combination. A two basic things that we do. One is to just show up for other, you know, groups that are now being put in danger. Like our first public uh, demonstration was we joined the March for Racial Justice, uh, which was happening in New York. I think, uh, maybe now, like it's been a year, oh, I think exactly, almost exactly a year ago. And since then, we've kind of done a combination of, of activism for, for such communities and also activism 
Judaism within our own community. So, for example, when uh, the Orthodox Union, which is one of the most influential and largest organizations, uh, Orthodox organizations, also the one that people people tend to associate it mainly with um, its kosher certification services. So, like when oh. you see. You know, like when you're looking for something kosher, you see a circle with uh, surrounding oh, you. It's called though exactly though. Yeah, Entimans. Yeah. Um, so like, Not many people know that Entimans are kosher. God, you see Entimans all the all time. time. Yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, and many other things like Coke is 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 certified by the OU, which is like Coca-Cola. a big deal because because the yeah because yeah. they're like one of the only organizations that actually knows the formula to Coke because <gasps> they have to know what goes into oh. Coke to be able to certify it. Right, yeah. You. So, yeah. So, in 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 other words, they're very they're very large and influential, and and they matter a lot. And they they on, on the day after sessions, uh, you know, implemented this family separation policy, they gave him an award, uh, or they gave him a plaque. Actually, I, technically, maybe they didn't give him an award, but the it was the visual of it was stunning because it yeah, was for some something bad else. optics for sure. Yeah, and it's actually, it, in my opinion, it was like a perfect encapsulation of the issue with the Orthodox community, which was they were celebrating him because he had helped um, a an or, a synagogue get like zoning permits because essentially they were being shut down from by the community around them um, for whatever reason, like maybe anti-Semitic or maybe other reasons. But essentially, he was enforcing something that uh, that was helping the Orthodox community. And the the plaque that they gave him is from it had a quote from the Torah called it said Tzedek Tzedek Tirdof, which means justice, justice you shall pursue. So Whoa. the day after he. <laughs> He did this to other families. They gave him this plaque for this other thing unrelated. Um, but the image of it to Jews, whether they were Orthodox or not, was shocking. And I think for m- many Orthodox Jews were symp- at the very least sympathetic to the cause of, of not separating families. Um, uh, not all of them, of course, but I think for to anyone it was kind of shocking. And so what we did was we organized... On the internet, we got a huge movement to to protest against them as Orthodox Jews, not just as liberal Jews against, you know, because unfortunately, these organizations can be very dismissive of of liberal Jewish groups because they see them as non-Orthodox, so they don't matter, right? Yeah. Um, at least politically, they don't matter, in my opinion. And. And so what we did was we kind of were able to uh, influence them quite a bit. Then we actually organized a thing called Moral uh, Mincha, which was a prayer service that we would do once a week in front of their offices, and we're still doing it. And that led we, – we, we, we basically know for a fact that that led directly to them actually putting out a statement against the separation of families. Um, so they had to – as much as they were still trying not to let go of their influence with sessions, they also were saying, like, what's happening is wrong. And that was important. It was a big deal to have an Orthodox group do that. And it led to other Orthodox groups following in their lead. So I guess there's two things. It's more it's it, it's to show the outside world that not all Orthodox people are pro-Trump and pro-Sessions and pro-this administration, but it's also, is it also to change the minds of people within the Orthodox community to try and reach out to them? Because I, I feel like what what I, I guess I would feel if I was involved with uh, Torah Trump's hate is is how, can't, how can you not see the correlations between this administration and, you know, the obvious thing that is pretty bad right. in what happened to Jews? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about yeah. yeah, yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, they—they—it's they re- eerily reminiscent of so many things that. Yeah, how do did. you reconcile that? You know, how how do do you try and say do you, do you 
dance around that? Or, you know, what, how, when you reach out to these people in Orthodox communities, how do you deal with that? Um, so I think there's kind of two things that we do when it comes to the Orthodox community. One is, one is essentially, you know, while 71% are against Trump, that means that 29%, I mean, sorry, pro-Trump, that means that 29% are anti-Trump. And so even though 2,000 is obviously a nice number to have in our group, that's not even close to actually you know, touching the amount of Jews who are really still, who are Orthodox and who are still shocked by Trump, right? right. So. Yes. So part of our job is really just to get gather those people together and say, you know, we we need to be able to speak up together. The other and the and beyond that, we also need to prov- to make it clear. One of the hardest parts about the Orthodox world or any any closed community, any community that's the more closed it is and the more structured it is, um, the more problematic it is in terms of making clear that there is a diversity of opinion. Like so. People perceive the Orthodox world, both on the outside and on the inside, as being monolithic. So even when 29% are anti-Trump, people are thinking to themselves, well, the whole Orthodox world is, is, is pro-Trump. And that, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because then it just, it just builds on itself. And the more that people think that, the more that they identify as Orthodox, the more that they follow that or they're quiet about their support, of, about their being against Trump. And so it just kind of builds and builds. And so our job is to kind of break that that perception apart so at the very least people that are anti-Trump can join up with us but also to make it clear to other Orthodox Jews like this isn't the way you have to be if you're Orthodox there are other options you don't have to be a blind conservative you don't have to just support anything that is you know pro-Israel like you can think you know there are other options um, and in general this is again is, is something that the Orthodox world is struggling with in general um, whether it comes to sexual abuse scandals or other issues like yeah. the more that we can documentary speak up about stuff. on Netflix one of, one us, of us have you seen yeah. that yeah yeah, yeah. And on my podcast, I actually had that guy Ari, on, and yeah. it's just unbelievable what they go through. And and a big part of the reason that there's so much of a backlash to them is because of this monolithic um, approach, you know. Um, and we live in a world now where things don't have to be monolithic, um, for better or for worse. Where the world is fragmenting more, but that actually means that we can fragment this part of orthodoxy in in a good way, can- and we can say you know, strengthen ourselves. Yeah. Can I, yeah. can I ask, um, you know, like in the yes. evangelical world, thanks Barry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll try not to let you down. Okay. And in the evangelical <laughs> world, like, you know, there, there are certain people who sort of like set, set policies sort of for the faithful. Like, you know, you'll have priests or, you know, in the, in the Catholic world, you have the Pope and then the archbishops and then you sort of go on down and there are leaders within the community who sort of like, um, people go to for what they're supposed to think politically. Um, right. Is that in, in the Orthodox world? Is it is it sort of an elder led, or you know, are, are there rabbis yeah. who are mainly sort of like, no, this is how we think, and is it convincing one of them to speak out differently, is it top or down. Yeah. yeah, is it top down, or is it bottom up, and are where do you find the most influence? Yeah, so argument? I would say, yeah, I would say top down. Uh, it's it's less direct. I mean, there are communities. It's true that there are a few communities, especially Hasidic communities, not not the one that I'm part of, but other ones where the leader, the Rebbe, would will tell people like how to vote, and they'll all vote exactly the same way. Yeah, the Lubavitcher is that the Lubavitcher. Remy? No, so the Lubavitch. No, so that's actually what the group that I'm living with. But they're, ah. but they don't do this because their Rebbe is not alive anymore, and he wouldn't. He didn't do that anyway. Um, but the the other communities, like the Satmar community, which is what that um, that uh, Netflix documentary was about, uh, yeah. um, they they do have that. But what's interesting is they actually vote for Democrats for the most part because they they need social services for a lot of reasons. Um, 
<clears throat> so actually, um, I would argue that there's kind of an informal top-down uh, um, situation in the Orthodox world where people who are influential and who are seen as important rabbis and all that stuff when it comes to politics or anything else tend, tend to become like the by default uh, people that people listen to, um, and and that creates again a self fulfilling prophecy of people following a certain way of of thinking. But the beauty of that is that in theory, if we are able to break that apart, then that helps us make make a cause. Uh, and it's not like we have to reach out to a specific leader to change people's opinions. We can just create a movement um, of our own kind of our own uh, our own bottom up approach, but but essentially kind of to fight back against the top down people. Okay, so if you know me, you know that I have incredible teeth. And a lot of people ask me why, and it's because I actually have been using the Quip toothbrush that's been given to me, and the truth is that we I've been brushing my teeth wrong for for a long time. How about you, Lucas? Do you brush them wrong? I, I think I've been brushing them right, but that that's when I realize that I've been doing it wrong. Because a lot of what I think I've been doing right in my life is it's actually not. wrong. And that's a big part that's of That's the thing, yeah. yeah. It's not just toothbrushing. It's it's not. It's it's almost everything. So why not eliminate brushing as one of the things yeah, that you do wrong? Yeah, they figured out how to do it right. They might as well tell me so I can do it. Yeah, most brands focus on selling gimmicks. You know, they, they don't want to talk to you about brushing, but not Quip. So what makes it different? All right. First, Quip is an electric, electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of bulkier brushes. I've had those brushes. They suck. And it still packs the right amount of vibrations to help clean your teeth. It's light. Um, it's got a built-in timer, and it helps you clean for the dentist-recommended two minutes with guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I always you know forget. You know what's my favorite? Well, I'll tell you what my favorite thing is. Is that I had used my toothbrushes for about three to five years before I replaced them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just never replaced toothbrushes. But Quip, you don't have to worry about replacing it because they just deliver new brush heads or toothpaste right to your door. Yeah, and so the subscription plans... if you're a lazy plans... son of a gun like me, it just, it's perfect. Right, and the subscription plans are... They're, they're for your health, not just convenience. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. It comes with a mount. It suctions... I've done it. It suctions right to your mirror, and it unsticks, and then you could stick it back again, and you just keep putting on mirror. I put it in four different on four different mirrors last week. Four different mirrors. I've been everywhere. You've been it's brushing your teeth everywhere. Everywhere. Sometimes I brush in my bedroom just to, just to see how it sticks to the mirror and it uses a, uh, a, hy- a hygienic travel uh, holder wherever you take your teeth. I take my teeth everywhere. And finally, everyone loves Quip. They were on Oprah's O-List, named one of Time's Best Inventions and the first subscription electric toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association, or as you call it, Lucas, the, the ADA. ADA. Yep, that's and the only thing I call it. They're backed by a network of over 20,000 dentists and hygienists and hundreds of thousands of happy brushers use Quip every day. So Quip starts at just $25 and and if you go get Quip at getquip.com slash get high, that's getquip, G-E-T-Q-I-P dot com slash get high, G-E-T-H-I-G-H. Right now, you'll get your first refill pack for free, free, with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's a first refill, refill pack for free at getquip.com slash get high. And speaking of top um, down, we're going to do our second segment. Uh-huh. Yeah, this is a great segue, by the way. <laughs> Except for that, I heard once that it was down up. 
What does that mean? That it can't, sometimes that some of it comes from the ground. You'll understand in a second, Alad. This sounds very cryptic <laughs> oh, and esoteric okay, okay. Right So this one heavily involves you, Alad. This is the uh, lightning, lightning round. round. Okay, so, oh, sound effect. So uh, this quickly turns into a game show, I realized. Um, <laughs> uh, we, 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 we. I'm sure you know the rules to this. We've been doing this for years. You're going to be bored um, to tears hearing these I rules. I think 10 again. years now. This is almost our 10th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, of this we're coming segment. up on the big guess. Uh, um, uh, the big 10 0. 10 0 is 100. But the big 1 0. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, so this is a lightning round. This is where we get to know you a lot. We get to oh, figure boy. out who you are um, in a way that no one else really does. Um, so we are going to ask you, I'm going to ask you first five questions. That's round one. And you have to wait till all five are completely out of my mouth and brain. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then only then you could start answering. And you only have 30 seconds you have to 30 answer seconds. all five of those questions. It's loose, but yeah, around then. You it's don't a, have to answer them in order. 30 no order. seconds, but just know that it is 30 seconds. And if just you get all of them, you get one point. If you, if you need any help, we will help you, but you will not get a point. But yes. <laughs> so I have to answer questions about myself in 30 seconds. All you have is to that... be is honest. All you have to do is be honest and remember all five of the questions. They don't have to be so in order. We're going to ask all five, and oh, only when all five are asked, you can answer. And then know that we're going to oh, ask okay. you another five in another round. This is going to be a disaster. All right. No, no, no. no, no, no. I, I think I you're going to get memory. this. I feel very, <laughs> Here we I feel go. very hopeful. And you don't I'm have to answer in any order, but yeah. all you have to do is be honest. Here we you go. Have Ready? to be honest. Lightning round. Lightning round. Question one. Okay. If you could change one major rule or tradition of Judaism forever, what would it be and what would you change it to? Two. Did you just hang up? No, I'm no, here. no, no. He's okay. still here. Sorry. All right. Two. Uh, do you know all the words to die, Dianu? Be honest. Three. How often do you delete tweets after posting them? Do you ever? And do you have a likes or interactions rule for tweets to qualify for that deletion? Four. Oh, my God. If you had to choose... <laughs> Kasha Varnishkas or Gefilte Fish? Four, five. <laughs> what drives people to do things? Go. Oh. Okay. okay. If I could change one thing, it would be... Uh, one thing. Well, God, it would be the top-down hierarchy of Judaism. If, if, number two, if what I What would you could, change it to? What would, what would I do? Side a, to side, front to back? <laughs> a <laughs> communication between the top down and the bottom uh, and the bottom up, which is what Judaism actually should be. But that's Got what it. it is right now. Boom. I'll accept um, it. Uh-huh. And, okay, I'm going to skip to one because I forgot the second yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally order. fine, totally fine. Deleting tweets, I, I wait way too long, and I and I am in total like pain and suffering while I'm thinking about it, and then I finally delete it probably like an hour later than I should. Is there a rule and, if it gets a certain amount of uh, uh, connection with people, if it gets a certain amount of traction? Um, I think it's more just how shitty I feel about it. Like if I feel really <laughs> crappy about mm. it, then then I'll delete it. But like, mine is two it, likes it, in twenty seconds. I'm just letting you know that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're about popularity. I get it. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Oh yeah. Like, Clearly. I, I love uh -huh. it. I'm, <laughs> see, the thing is, most people like hate me. So like, or hate my you know tweets. So like, I get a lot of hate uh, responses. You so do. That's more oh. What I'm concerned about. Oh. Yeah. It's it's what it is. You know, in terms of you, when you're identify one thing in uh, in one way, and people react badly within that same group. I get that too, but I'll take it, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no <laughs> no press is bad press. <laughs> right. Like it. I like it. I like your approach. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, uh, oh my God, you see, I already forgot everything. Let's see. Um, I can help I you. You need you help. Can help me. It's tempting I, to get some yeah, help now, isn't it? It helps right there, as long as you don't care about <laughs> points. I, I, I weirdly care a lot about yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. This is the thing. People I, learn about themselves here. I'm <laughs> 
All right. Uh, yeah, I would like help. I would okay. Like help. Let's, uh, let's so you have, there was one about uh, Kasha Varnish, guess. Oh, right, right. Gefilte yeah. fish. Gefilte fish. Gefilte fish. Wow, yes. you're in I the minority. I love gefilte fish. I would just eat so many gefilte fish. I love it too, but and, and I'm going to agree with you, and I'm actually going to give you an extra point because of how much I agree with you on that. <laughs> but but um, a lot of people would choose kasha because gefilte fish is traditionally considered disgusting. Yes, gefilte fish is not a fish. It's just a combination of, I think, 150 fishes. Yeah, it's something like that. It's fish gloop. Yeah, it's suspended in liquid. It's just violent, but I used to devour. I love it. Horseradish. Oh, yeah. You know what? Oh, one yeah. of the one of the beauties of being Orthodox is you learn that there's like a lot of different kinds of gefilte fish, and the problem is we've been shoved. Yeah, I'm gonna know, tell you right now, young. only Orthodox Jews learn how many gefilte fish are out there. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> we all just know that non-Orthodox. We all know that one jar. Yeah, I think exactly. It's yeah, 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 exactly. like orange and yellow. Yes. Oh yep. my God, gross. Yes, all right, so yeah, exactly. you're doing okay, great. So, on this. so you have two more. You have like right. half your 30 seconds left. There was one. Uh, <laughs> there was one. There was. Be honest. Do you know all the words to die Dianu? Be honest. Oh right, no. You don't have to do them. I don't, see, yeah. I'm showing you how bad of a memory I have, so I definitely do not know. I know, although I know, I, I no, I don't know all the words. Okay, and the last one: what drives people to do stuff? This one can be quick. Yeah. What, what drives <laughs> What drives people to do stuff? Um, uh, usually, self-interest. Mm. And, uh, I agree. I agree. Do you think that's a positive thing or a negative thing? This is separate um, to that. I don't think it's negative or positive. I think that if it's all, if it's if it's literally the only thing driving them, then it's uh, then it's a bad thing. But if they're able to temper that with learning about morality and and the, you know, how to be how to go outside of ourselves, then then they're good people. But ultimately, you know, we're always kind of fighting against that inner drive to do what's in our own interest. I love that. Okay. Well, you know what? You get no points for the lightning round. <laughs> However, but I got it for Gefilte Fish. That's you got cool. it. You got one point for Gefilte Fish, bringing your point total to two. two. Heading into yeah, a lightning right. round, 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 round two. two. Now you're going to notice that this is a pre, uh, that almost everything is the same about this round, except it'll be a, you'll be hearing a different voice. Yes, because it'll be me mm. asking the questions. Don't panic. I'm oh. Lucas, just oh, to refresh All your right. memory. Uh, the yes. rest of the round, uh, rule by rule, functions almost exactly the same as round one. Uh, Love it. So you have five questions coming your way. You have to be honest. And then you will have 30 seconds, just like last round, to answer them. If you need help, you will not receive points. You ready? <laughs> Lightning round, round one, uh, round two. I forgot round which two. round. Ooh, I'm taking a point away Lightning from Lucas. Lightning round, yeah, round two. Yeah, so that brings me to that? Again. You got that wrong? Oh, oh I mean, uh, <laughs> no, it's no, quick. No. You, you greedy, that's, greedy want these that's points. Crazy. <laughs> All right. We'll see how you do. You might get some more points here. Okay. Uh, well, Lightning okay, round, good. round two. One, what else does the Torah trump? Two, what Ooh. is the one thing that actually ties the diaspora together? Three, Ooh. fiddler on the roof or fiddler in a room? Four. <laughs> Why is your version of God the best version? Be honest. Five. What person in world history would you most like to have a friendly argument with? And who would win? Oh, these are great. Mm, yes. Uh, Go. What else does Tor Trump? Um, 
Um, ego. Oh. Hey, I like that. Yeah, there we go. It was a very good orthodox answer. It's like answer. a fish answer. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. I'm a, yeah, all right. And then, let's see. All right. I would sit. I would. Oh, Fiddler on the Roof uh, versus Fiddler in the Room. I think, you know, I'm a traditionalist, so Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. Um, That's also <laughs> the correct answer. Yes. Who wants to see Fiddler in the Room? <laughs> Unless it's the movie The Room. I'm just, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Fiddler know, in man. the movie The Room? That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that, that sounds, sounds like fun. a viral mashup. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even acknowledge this heresy. I'm not even going to good, 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 good. Okay. Um, so who would I have a friendly debate with if I could? Anybody? Um, would the, does a person have to be friendly? Like, would, nope. would they become friendly if I the got into a argument with remains them? friendly. The it's just a friendly argument. Friendly. Okay. It's a great Donald question. Trump. Donald Trump, I think. Oh. Uh, who would win? Be honest. Um... I don't think anyone would win from that. I think it would just be a disaster, uh, including like the world. Just everyone would be badly affected by that. Okay, um, you have I think one you would more. Win. You have one more question. Really, I think oh, you would win too. Have... Yeah. Uh, one more one question. More. This one's a big um, one. This one is the biggest. Yeah, this is <laughs> a big, big one. <laughs> the problem is, I all I have in my head is the filter. Oh question. no, we have two like, more questions. Whoa. Two more. Rebecca, Rebecca in the booth just, just really leapt, really came through, and was as a, she started knocking on the glass, wildly gesticulating, furiously knocking on the glass. She really cares about lightning yeah. round. She's First super all, into it. I feel very uh, uh, deceived because I did not know there was another person. It's true. There, so you were I'm deceived. Feel even more embarrassed. Oh, let me tell you, there's millions of people here. A lot of, of this here. is about uh, deceit and shame. Yeah. So you're, you're well ahead of schedule. Love it, love it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I have no idea. I don't even remember. Okay, the two. Uh, well, well, I remember one of them. Which one do you remember? Uh, I can help him. Yeah, Does sure. That count? You remember? Um, it was the one about uh, why is is your version of God better than others? Oh, why is your yeah, version of God the best version? The best version. Yeah. So my version is oh, that's t- okay. So my version Taller. is the best because it includes the other people's versions of God as well. Oh, oh. in what way? <laughs> yeah. Can you elaborate? <laughs> yeah. Um, because Judaism is what's beautiful about Judaism in general is that it. First of all, within Judaism, there's an idea that we have 70 faces to Torah, which means that there are def- seven, 70, and by that means like really any, like so many different interpretations of Torah. And so we all have very different, even within Judaism, we have very different ideas of what God is and how, how we relate to him um, or her, etc. But like the point being that within Judaism, there's that. But not only that, that Judaism allows, has much less, quote unquote, like stringent concerns when it comes to non-Jews. They're actually... Very, I don't know what the right word. Like whereas other inclusive. religions can be very. It's no. actually it's interesting because they're not inclusive in the sense that they agree, but they also are say, like. But we also say that we we disagree, but like, you know, really Judaism in in many ways beyond the things that it's for is against idolatry. But is, but unless some someone is idolatrous, we're in general very um, open to their point of views when it comes to religion, Jesus. and so. Um, so <laughs> that was just wow. That was I love that. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking. About. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a left I'm a Jew. I'm I Jewish. Was, uh, yeah, okay, just really one more. Okay, yeah, yeah the sure. one thing. This is very simple. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. is the one thing that ties the diaspora together? The mm. diaspora is that what it was? Diaspora. Um, diaspora. diaspora. That sounds like neosporin. I, I don't I know said... why. Uh-huh, it's a type of um, ointment. I'd like to know yes. what its binding agent is. <laughs> 
Um, all right. So what ties the Jewish diaspora together? Yes. I think. Yes. Um, oh man, I think our souls. That's that's an Orthodox Hasidic answer. I would argue uh, that we it's not about anything beyond the fact that we have a soul level connection, which is why ultimately, mm. even when we are really angry with each other and we really are shocked by each other, we still somehow manage to all stick together in our own way. I would I would argue, and I I will I, just to add to yours. I feel like what it is is the fact that there is no one uh, center mm. that, that right. ties oh, people together. Beautiful. Like because uh, there's no like center, algae. you must be you must be tied to your fellow person. Because there's no way to be like mm. I'm tied to the Vatican. I'm tied mm-hmm. to I'm tied to this to this book and these people that that are I'm around. Yeah, yeah? I, I like that. that. I, I think that. that's a the, the, because <laughs> the absence of center. Yeah. Means there is no center. Yes, I should have left yeah. it. I should have left it before I got into that stuff. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. That's so good, and then that's I ruined good. it. Yeah. So what no. do you think? Any points? I mean, those are beautiful answers to those questions, and honest, which I told you I valued. <laughs> but we also mentioned that if you asked for help, you'd get zero points. So that's no. So points. you got no points, <laughs> no points on that there. round. But wow, what but great, it was great answers! answers. Terrific I really answers. enjoyed those answers. I would have preferred. I would have preferred points to great answers. Okay, so we can jump into one more segment. We we never go back to back like this, but I feel like the momentum is really there. Yeah, we're just cruising This is a now. quick one. It's this called super quick. Would, Would you rather? rather? <laughs> okay, now you you might know the rules to this. I'll explain them to you really quickly. It's a simple would you rather. There's two options mm-hmm. you have to choose it's which ga- one you'd like. It's a game of preferences. Yeah. You know. And we'll learn about uh, you. I know the game. I'm good. Yeah, uh, let me just explain it. it one more time. So there's right, two sure. situations. You have to explain why each why you choose one. You could ask questions, and if I agree with you, you will get a point. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Mm-hmm. Would you rather... I'm also ready. Would you rather replace all of your toes with teeth or replace all of your teeth with toes? Ah! Gross. <laughs> uh, I think I would replace my now, toes consider with teeth. Consider both options before you answer. I don't want to consider no. that ever for any reason. <laughs> well, you got to choose. That's not the game. Uh, no, I think, and, yeah. And oh, I sorry, hate to admit right. this a lot, but there is a right answer, and I know it. Yeah. I Do agree. You? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's points on the line here because yeah. you could get all this. Right. You could win this, or you it's could basically get it wrong. choosing between having just something disgusting in your mouth at all times and walking. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, oh, I see. So you're okay. Well, you know what? I'm going against the tide here. I'm Any questions that, first or no? Uh, um. Can I? Yeah, I can't, you can clarify. I imagine I can't. I can't change anything afterwards, or I can't get like dental surgery to fix my toe toe mouth. Well, oh, <laughs> that's a good question. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you would have to go to a podiatrist to fix your toe, toe mouth, mouth, not the dentist. Um, That's but, a good point. But uh, you, ca- you can get them groomed. You could get them managed. You could fix them if there are blisters oh, on them. But you I'm cannot sorry, replace them with teeth. You can't get them removed and put teeth back in. That is a rule okay. you can't do. Listen, I'm I'm gonna replace my toes with teeth. I I, I, oh, I can't. Yeah, I agree. I can't well, that is a wrong answer. That. <laughs> because you will then I, not be able to walk. No, you don't I'm need to cool walk. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I would literally cut off my feet, I think. I would be, you know, just, <laughs> like, I, I would just... Yeah, just a wheelchair. Just, not, just wheelchair. Yeah. Uh, and I, and all, yeah, in my I've, whole life, I would think, at least I don't have toes in my mouth. That would be <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and you'd never have to explain it to anyone, I guess. Oh if it was, I, You know what? I never do this, but I'm coming to your side on this. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't That's I just... didn't consider that, that you never will have to speak about it. Uh-huh. That's a big one for me. <laughs> So it's I true. would choose Every, yeah. teeth on my toes then. 
Teeth on your toes? Teeth <laughs> yeah. for your toes. You never have to talk Glenn, about this you're, you're weird encounter with a wizard that you had. You're joining yes, our Teeth is... for Toes campaign. Listen, there's no, no toes for option. teeth. More teeth for toes. Thanks for coming aboard, Barry. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is okay. how we create dialogue in America. This is exactly. we're doing it. I think exactly. we're doing it. I think this we're doing it. what we were talking about. The Torah trumps toe teeth. Um, and, okay. So I think maybe we have one or two more questions before we get to our final segment. Do you do you want to chime in or do I want to chime in? I think I, have, should, I, I think I, I have feel something. like you have the conk. Um, okay, well here we go. Here's my question. Um, you, I read a, a an excellent article uh, that you wrote recently in your uh, it's your publication, Pop Hasid, correct? Pop Hasid, yeah. It's your it's your blog. Mm-hmm. Um, you wrote an interesting article about um, how we're all kings and queens recently, correct? We are all kings and queens. It was about oh, kings right, and right. queens, yeah. 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 Can yeah, you maybe yeah. explain? Yeah. I read it and I thought it was a very interesting concept. Can you maybe explain that concept and elaborate on, on what you meant? Yes. Yeah. Um, so basically, the idea was essentially there's a, an allegory, a Hasidic allegory, where mm-hmm. a king and a queen are um, are living in a kingdom in which or ruling a kingdom where the people are becoming more and more mad they're becoming more and more crazy um and and illness has essentially caused people to go mad and this illness is spreading and spreading um and because the king and queen live in the palace and they're protected they are they are protected from this illness but what's happening is that the more people that become infected with this madness the more that kind of entire towns are starting to become infected with it and soon in those towns the people that um have have are still sane are actually seen as insane <clears throat> and um and they're driven out of the town and they're you know hung they're lynched like they're just treated like like um you're not just crazy, but evil, dude, like really bad people. Yeah. And so soon it spreads so much so in, until the, act, the kingdom itself is very clearly soon going to be overrun with this illness. So now there's a question for the king and the queen. How can we rule in, in a world in which everyone is insane and we're sane? Because essentially what that means is that we're insane. Um, at least in terms of how people relate to us. Yeah. But on the other hand, we can't effectively rule if we don't actually know what reality is. Um, and so... What the king and queen decided was that they will allow themselves to go crazy, but they will put a marking on their shoulder and on their head that will remind them every time they look at each other, every time they look in the mirror, that uh, of what reality really is. And um, and so they'll be able to, in in during the day, they will retain their insanity, but they will Almost remember like what's actually real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They'll get a reminder every now and then. And so this is an allegory for um, why we put on tefillin, which is, um, if you've ever seen, uh, you know, for, for listeners who have ever seen, you know, images of, of Jews putting on these leather straps around their arms, they do it. Um, technically, Orthodox Jews put it on once a day, Orthodox Jewish men put it on once a day. And the idea is essentially uh, that, like the Hasidic idea, is that this is a reminder of what is really real. We live in a world where everything is backwards, and we kind of need to remember that there is a there is a world of truth, and we have to kind of continually remind every day. We have to remind ourselves about the world of truth versus the world of of uh, the backwards world uh, that we live in. Wow! And, and by world of truth, um, it you, you, it doesn't necessarily mean religion. It can mean a lot of things. Correct. Yeah, I mean, not to I call think, out um, a metaphor here, like a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think that hopefully a religion teaches that there are things beyond, like that are true that aren't about the religion. It's just we're just talking about 
ultimate truth, right? I mean, I think ultimately that's the idea, that should be the idea of religion, right? That we're not just trying to find our own truth, there's just truth. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so my, like, so I was kind of extending that allegory and I was saying that, so what do we do when even our own people, like, and I was talking about other Orthodox Jews are, are going crazy. Like if we think like there, there's this madness that's taking them over and we're confused and we're lost. Um, and we feel like the more that we're around this insanity, the more that we feel like we're the crazy ones. Um, and it becomes very hard because then you start to question yourself. You start to wonder, is there something wrong with me? You know, the more that you feel alone, the more that you think this way. And so my answer was, so my question was, what is the tefillin for someone who is in that situation? And my point was that, and it's very related to torture, I'm saying is, Community is the answer to that. We need other people around us. We need other people that can remind us, like, you're not crazy. You are sane. You're smart. You're good. You know, you're like a good person. You're doing the right thing. And, and you'll be surprised how, how much that matters. Because, like, at least, because I know, you know, in that group, for a lot of people, that's like a life-saving group in a lot of ways. Because if you feel like you're literally the only person that believes something in your world, it's incredibly disorienting. And you actually wonder, like... You may not wonder if you're sane, but you may be wonder, am I sane for believing in what I believe in? Yeah. Um, if everyone that I share beliefs with has done this, like, immoral thing. Yeah. Um, and so we've, so my answer, again, was community. Wow. Okay, I have that's uh, great. Uh, that's, yeah, that's great. I have one Thank more uh, question, and then we'll, we'll break it down to our final segment, which is... It's a big one. We have a big one. I don't want to give it away. This is a pretty awesome-looking segment here. It's you're you're going for a brand-new first. Pretty great. Uh, so congratulations to you, and you're welcome. But you but don't know what it is that, yet. you have to prove yourself by answering uh, or, or responding to another question, uh, which is, it's a two-parter. Um, if, you know, like a lot of your work is sort of, is, is facing inward, uh, speaking to other, other Jews, um, Mm -hmm. but you're also an outward facing group as well. Is there one message you would have for the non-Jewish world about your work or about what you're doing? And then is there a message you have for other Jews? Hmm. It's okay Um, if it's the same message, but it's also okay (laughs) if it's different. Yeah. Yeah, I think the message would be the same, that essentially we don't just exist for ourselves, we exist for, we ultimately, I mean, Jews, but but anyone, obviously, also, we exist to both um, communally grow and, and, and care about each other, but also to care for others. So if I was speaking to non-Jews, I would say, you know, no matter how, you know, whatever you see about my community, I want you to know that, like, it's part of our belief system to care about others and to be involved with them and to fight for them. And so I'm going to do that, and my group is going to do that, and other Jews are going to be doing that. And if I was speaking to Jews, I would be reminding them, this is part of your belief system, and it matters a lot, uh, no matter how much you are scared or concerned or traumatized by the past. That's great. It's a terrific answer. It's true. I think it, but it, no matter what people believe, I would I would imagine a large number actually are fighting for similar things. If you kind of just break it all down, I we're really all kind of w- fighting I, for something similar. Yeah, I really wish we, we had points for those questions, but we don't. <laughs> so you can't get any. Yeah, you're still at two mm. points? Two yeah, points. So you're, you're, you're riding in the middle ground of two points. Okay, mm. so we're gonna, well, this is a new segment. Um, Grace, the, Grace is my wife, and she's, she's never right been now. in the studio. Grace, you want to say hello? 
Is she the producer? No, 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 no. Wait, so there's four people. Terrible idea. There's four people. There's a. This is. Honestly, so she, we Grace can't was not in the room. People are here. Grace was not in the room. Um, she was listening, oh, right? She was in. I, uh, I wasn't in the room, but I was listening. And thank you for sharing. It was a great podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think this was excellent. Yeah, um, it's not over yet. Ooh. Me, Barry, and Barry's wife, Grace, uh, all agree this is an excellent so podcast. Yeah. There's a few firsts <laughs> happening here. So we usually do a segment called uh, Eat, Eat some s- some food. Ugh. Okay, where we where we try we try a, a new food uh, that maybe we haven't tried before, maybe we have, maybe the listeners haven't tried. That is supposedly going to save the world. That's it good has for an the world. Ethical quality to it. It's ethical, like an ethical munchie. Good for you. Good for the world. Either or. Because um, generally, by this part of the program, we're pretty yeah. hungry. Usually, it's pretty uh, pretty dry, pretty boring. Um, we just kind of eat some food. We're very honest. You you obviously can't eat the food because you're not in. The if studio. you were in the studio with us, this would be such a fun segment for you. I promise. You're not though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we well, could all agree well, you're not in the studio. Um, that's true. Unless there's like, we would do you love have a for you to surprise? weigh in on this. Yeah, we because love are you into food? Are you a big food? If you guys give me like ten hours, I'll fly over there, and then <laughs> I'll have some with you guys. Do we have time? No, we, have time uh, we were that. just short of ten hours. Yeah, uh, we're just short. Uh, yeah, right. we're running really long. But we know you're uh, a food guy. We, are you a food guy? We, we love gefilte fish. that was the right answer. Uh huh. Do you are you do you have any dietary limitations? Are you vegan, vegetarian? Do you keep kosher? I, I assume you keep kosher. Yeah, I'm pretty strictly kosher. So yeah. that actually okay. limits me pretty badly. I actually probably couldn't eat what you were eating if I was with you. So it's all good. Oh, you don't know yet. But I'm not sure. Oh, all right. You do not no, know you're yet. Right, you're right. Um, but it's very possible. We are <laughs> eating gefilte. No. Okay. So usually we do that, but this is this time special because my wife is a uh, she's a chef. She's a yeah, food expert. Uh, Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed, no, it's true. All right. Correct. Thank you. Um, so this is a first, she's going to actually be the one who introduces the food and talks about the food briefly. But first of all, we, we want to name this segment and we're trying to figure out my first draft of this segment was, cause her name's Grace was, uh, foodie and the Grace fish. <laughs> Similar to Hootie and the Blowfish, I mean, but I don't think anyone likes I don't that. Think, yeah, no. I'm glad you explained that it was Hootie and the Blowfish that you were going for. No one was going to come near it, I'm sure. Uh, I think my my pick is 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 more sort of innovative, I'd say. Uh, if you remember the the segment title is Eat Some Food, I say we should call it Eat Some of Grace's Food. Oh, oh. it's a little it's a little dry. A lot. Do you have any There's, ideas? For the mm-hmm. segment name? Um, hmm, let me think. And remember, uh, both of us can award you points or take it away. Grace can as well. Uh-huh. Uh, a thousand points for you. So just be careful who you decide to suck up to, because we all have power here. This is well. All right. Just be honest. Um, just, you know. You can wait till the end of the honest. segment, too. Yeah, you can think about it. Mm-hmm. All right, all right, all right. Okay. I'm going to ponder so, it. Yeah. So, Grace, what is the food? What do we have? Okay, so... She's opening it. Buckwheat pancakes. Buckwheat pancakes. Those are kosher buckwheat pancakes, yes? kosher unfortunately oh and there's syrup so what what makes buckwheat pancakes great well i'll tell you um i'm gonna have some of this while you tell please me please do and, and then... we're also very honest about whether or not we like them oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. this is almost always the most negative part <laughs> yeah. of the show great we're generally <laughs> scathing um well it, actually something that's exciting about buckwheat that i didn't realize is that there's a tie-in to this which is you mentioned earlier which is that buckwheat so buckwheat is a seed um italian protein grows from the earth um 
And the reason that it's kind of cool is that it's a cover crop. So Whoa, it's cool within itself as a food, but it's also cool in what it does as a function for our earth and the way that we farm. So the 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 buckwheat itself ties in because buckwheat is what kashka varnishkas are made out of. Ah! Which I didn't realize until you said it. Kasha. It's kasha. Not kashka. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jews. I'm not a Jew, but I'm a supporter (laughs) partner to my Jews. She's basically, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I'll tell you about buckwheat, which is that um, buckwheat is... Especially with the syrup. Oh, good, good. Um, Mm -hmm. Is high in protein and high in fiber. Um, It, although it is called buckwheat, there is no gluten in it, so it's not a wheat. Oh, um, oh. it's, it's bucking the weedy trend of most wheat yeah. <laughs> to have gluten. <laughs> Precisely. That's right. Mm. Um, and it's, oh, my God. And it's packed with like a bunch of good stuff, like amino acids and vitamins and minerals and, and, and such. But, so what is, what, what, what's a cover crop? Did you say what a cover crop is? So the cover crop part, I think, is actually the more interesting part, which is... In in the way that we farm now, we there's like monocrops are a big deal, right? So we grow like there's like vast swaths of like corn and soybean and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so because of that, it sucks a lot of the nutrients out of the. Uh oh. No, that's no, all good. I just knocked some stuff over. It's okay, all fine. Cool. <laughs> I do this every episode. Um, it sucks a lot of the nutrients out of the soil, and there's nothing to give those nutrients back, which is why. People use um, like fertilizers and like really intense chemicals, chemicals to get yeah. the nutrients back so they can keep growing. Um, but before all those fertilizers and stuff, the chemical stuff, this was a natural way to fertilize the soil. Oh. So when you use a cover crop, you do like you can. Oh, thank you. Um, so essentially, the soil is is like, hey, you shouldn't be planting these crops for so long. Like, why are you planting this all year round? Is that well, so? It helps replenish like, the soil a bit. It yeah. So, like, when people were pl- planting crops, you know, for like smaller groups of people, like traditional societies, they would plant in pairs. So they would plant like corn with soy with beans and squash, and that would be like get oh. nitrogen back into the soil, and so you could like rejuvenate your soil. Yeah. And now yeah. it's just kind of like let's just suck everything out we can, and we'll just dump a bunch of chemicals in, mm. and. Oh. Um, that ultimately is a bad thing. Like you can't run. Yeah. You know, it, this it is a more sustainable, thoughtful way of farming. Precisely. Well, I really wish you could have tried some of these pancakes a lot. I'm sure you were <laughs> listening Has, with rapt attention. Are they attention. kosher? A lot. They were. Are, are they kosher? Yeah. Are buckwheat um, pancakes it, kosher? In in theory, they could be. It's uh, depends how they're made, what they're made with. It's a whole. You don't even want to know. It doesn't. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I don't. Leave that to the Orthodox Union. Yeah. yeah. Boring. So do you think good for the world, bad for the world? What do you think, Alon? Oh, that yeah, sounds great. Sounds good for the world. I mean, yeah. I wasn't, I was kind of zoning out, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm taking a half a point away from you. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm just joking. It sounded uh, amazing. But now that you've heard the segment, yes, you can tell us correctly what the segment should be called. Okay. So I was thinking... I don't know. I mean, I was thinking like gracefully fed, gracefully <gasps> nourished, oh, something gra- graceful. Gracefully you know? fed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was thinking gracefully fed. I don't know. I kind of like that. I also like, I like grace, that period, full. fully fed. <laughs> <laughs> just stuffed. Grace, fully fed. <laughs> sounds like a bad VHS you would get for the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> Uncensored. Fully uh, fed. Well, uh, i definitely give you a point for grace, fully fed. Wait, sorry, fed. did you have any more facts or was that we it? We just had one more fact. Yeah, let's hear it. Which Load is crop diversity. Yeah. We eat so few things. We eat like corn and wheat 
And if you if we eat more diverse things, if we make a point to eat like these things, then they will grow more of those things when there's demand. And so yeah. um, that's good for our diets yeah. as human beings. So we should so, demand diversity from everything. From everything. Yeah, balance, yeah. right? Yeah. Love it. That was okay. great, Grace. Thank, Thank you, you so Grace. much. That was oh, awesome. And that, was the best, that was the best that segment has you. ever gone. Before and we let you get back to your life, uh, we have two quick things. We always ask our guests. Number one is uh, it, us and our listeners uh, will will try and donate to a charity of your choice. What is your charity uh, if you had to recommend any charity on earth for, that you think is a worthwhile cause? Um, I would say uh, the... For anyone, I would say for the NAACP right now to give them. Okay, That's great. Or, Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Can I give you another one? Yeah. Because I was just thinking of one. The we'll uh, Mi Gente is an organization that's been fighting the very strongly for, in general, for, for immigrant rights, uh, but especially recently been doing amazing work um, fighting the... How do you spell that? Um, so it's M-I-J-E-N-T-E. Is it J? It might be G. It might be G. I feel like I know a Mi Gente that's a G, but maybe I'm making that up. I'm pretty sure it's a J. Okay. Oh, that'd be a J. Right. Yeah. Either way, that's great. And the yeah. second question we ask all our guests is, why should we be hopeful? Yeah, why should Go. we be hopeful? Why should people be hopeful in general? Hopeful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny because we are always talking, you know, one of the, like kind of almost cliche things which are true is that we've we're like we've seen this before right we keep talking about this when we see authoritarianism uh taking over and we see bigotry becoming the norm and all these things especially jews were kind of used to saying this thing like we've seen this before and that's why we need to stop it um but i think that we can also that's that can scare us but i think that can also give us a lot of hope because the truth is that we've we have seen it before and we've survived it all and not only that we've continued to make better and better worlds um not not just despite those things but because of those things because we keep learning and growing from every time um something like this happens and so ultimately you know as martin luther king said the or as i'm paraphrasing essentially was that the arc of the universe is ultimately towards good um so it might be difficult it might take time um, but every generation has this test. No matter what it is, we have difficulties. We're always fighting for good. And no matter what, we always ultimately, like, good is the truth. And so huh. it will ultimately win out. It's just a question of how. Hey, that's great. Yeah, and I'm going to give you that. back a half point for that. So you're back up to two. <laughs> hey, well done. Almost, honestly, <laughs> almost nobody gets out of here with two points. So you've done a great job. Um, so we'll let you get back Listen. to attend to your daughter, who I think was making noise earlier. And um, this was amazing. Thank yeah, you, thank so, you much. so much for joining us. Enjoy New York summer. My pleasure. Thank you so much. 